Welcome to Sound Encounters, the show where I take you on a musical journey as we explore different genres, bands and artists, and new and classic releases. I'm Cesar Torres, and I'll be your guide today. Welcome back. Um, episode 44. We're getting really close to the one-year anniversary of this podcast, and I'm so excited. I have something in store for you guys, but... In terms of this podcast, we're going to be talking about Fugazi and how to get into them, what to listen to, how to listen to their discography, and the like. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and I'm excited to do it on one of my favorite post-hardcore groups. However, I was—I I did want to plan something for the intro, but I think that because I'm doing Fugazi in one go, all of their LPs and their EPs, I think I'll skip the intro for this week and we can go straight into Fugazi. I was I, I did plan on talking about the new J. Cole album. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real honest with you. It's not the best. But it is a bit better than a couple of albums that I've heard from him, namely 2014 Forest Still Drives. Um, the is it the off season? <laughs> that's um that's how much I really care about Jekyll's music. I just don't remember the album I literally just listened to. But it is a bit better than 2014 Forest Still Drives. I can't decide if it's better than For Your Eyes Only, but you know, he does have some great bars. There are some beats that I think were wasted. I wish he would rap on more R&B inspired, focused, whatever you want to call it, beats. Um, I think that's where he really shines. But for the most part, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I just remember seeing a lot of hype around this new J. Cole album, and I'm just like, I don't get it. So I thought I'd just share my thoughts with you. But anyway, let's get to Fugazi, because there is a lot to talk about. Right, so I'm going to be talking about my one of my favorite. I almost said my favorite post-hardcore group, but no, they are one of my favorites, Fugazi. And it's funny how I kind of discovered them. I feel like there's I I followed the path that a lot of punk enjoyers, punk fans uh, take when they discover hardcore punk. You know, you discover all of these punk bands and artists, and you want to explore more and because of that it kind of led me to minor threat and i was just so enthralled with minor threat even though they had a sh very short discography they only released a couple of eps i think or a couple of eps and then one full-length album and that they were gone but you know me being a fan of ian mckay i wanted to know what else he worked on and that of course led me to Fugazi. So Fugazi is the brainchild of vocalist and guitarist Ian McKay, who wanted to create something after, you know, Minor Threat disbanded, as well as another group he fronted, Embrace, uh, broke up. And he thought that he wanted to merge the Stooges with reggae and i guess saying he was looking to start another band is a bit misleading because he wasn't exactly looking for that following the disillusion of two bands he was involved in he was more looking to play with like-minded people 
But this, of course, turned into something more as we are talking about them today. McKay enlisted ex-Dagnassy drummer Colin Sears and bass guitarist Joe Lally in 1986, but Sears was replaced by Brendan Canty as Sears returned to playing for Dagnassy. Canty was involved with a notorious emo core group, Rites of Spring, and the frontman for that group, Guy Picciotto, dropped by during a practice session where he expressed his desire to join the group. And at first, there was no place for Picciotto, as the vocalist, guitarist, drummer, and bassist roles were all covered. However, the band ended up finding a place for him as a, not a backup vocalist, but a second vocalist, you know, and it was inspired by the use of a foil in hip-hop. So the lineup of McKay, Picciotto, Canty, and Lally would remain consistent until their indefinite hiatus in 2003. Their reputation definitely precedes them as they stuck to that DIY punk aesthetic. They wanted to avoid radio play at all costs. They hated branding themselves and selling merch. And they only performed shows for $5. And they they played hundreds of shows. They would go on these intense touring cycles after uh, they released their albums and the music was stellar and phenomenal and we can't forget that you know despite their philosophies their stance on a couple of uh, or, or their stance on major political and social issues the music was always stellar so let's talk about the music first up we have self-titled ep 1988 and margin walker 1989 I kind of already touched upon these projects when I talked about 13 Songs, which is the compilation album of both of these EPs on my What is Post Hardcore episode. But, you know, I I just can't ignore them. You can't mention Fugazi without talking about these EPs. A lot of people start listening to Fugazi with these EPs and, of course, with that iconic first song, which we'll get to. But... When you hear these two EPs or the compilation album 13 Songs, you really get a feel for the fundamentals of Fugazi's music. You know, dub-inspired bass lines, aggression in vocals, lyrics, and guitar playing, and that technique, that post-hardcore technique of taking the short bursts of aggression of hardcore punk and then prolonging it to a three- to four-minute track. Of course, other bands would take that to an extreme, but Fugazi nailed this formula right off the bat. The self-titled EP begins with Waiting Room, one of their most popular songs and a staple of their live performances. There is just a whole lot to love with this track, from McKay's passionate vocal delivery to Lally's infectious bass line to the propelling guitar riff. We're also introduced to McKay and Picciotta's relationship on stage or in studio, particularly, you know, how well they played off with each other. And in this song in particular, they followed a call and response vocal delivery. There's also that deafening silence at the start of the song that lasts a whole two bars. And like I said before, they just really wanted to fuck with the status quo and kind of, you know, just be assholes. And this deafening silence for two whole bars was sort of their way of just flipping the middle finger to conventional songwriting and not or just avoiding radio play because their producer at the time just was like, you guys are not going to get any radio play if you keep this silence in for (laughs) that long. And so they kept it in because they were just like, no, that's exactly what we want to do. Bad Mouth and Suggestion are the best examples of McKay's initial idea of fusing punk and reggae as the rhythms and the pacing of both of these songs 
are heavily inspired by reggae. The reason I knew Fugazi was a band that would stick with me for a while, possibly forever, is that every member here is pulling their weight. McKay and Picciotto might be great performances and the riffs that they do are, are heavy and they're catchy and they're just energetic, but the rhythm section also of, of Lolly and Canty is equally gorgeous. Lolly's bass lines especially are just so memorable as, again, you get that, you hear that reggae inspiration. Margin Walker is more of the same as Fugazi Craft's more amazing post-hardcore and reggae tracks. Highlights include the energetic Margin Walker, more reggae-inspired punk with Burning 2, the feedback and funky bass line of And The Same, and the soaring climax of Promises. In fact, Promises is the most post-hardcore track on this EP. You know, the dub bass line is buried as the focus is on tension building, fuzzy guitars, and McKay's passionate delivery. Definitely one of the highlights of their discography for me. And following their initial EP releases and the compilation album 13 Songs, they released another EP titled Three Songs in 1990. But never mind that, because we need to get to Repeater 1990. Repeater is their first true album experience, and it is the definitive Fugazi experience. This LP was the perfect amalgamation of everything McKay was building up to from Minor Threat. You know, we have those conscious messages typical of not just Minor Threat and Ian McKay, but just punk. Intense instrumentation, reggae inspirations. This truly is Fugazi's first masterpiece. And again, we have those conventional punk tracks like Greed and Merchandise. The former is fun as hell, as propelling guitars and repetitious lyrics make a great track to sing along to and, and bang your head to. The guitars and drums on merchandise are boisterous. Picchietto and McKay scream their heads off. And I think that merchandise is one of those tracks that you can come back to in their discography and be like, okay, yes, this is an early indicator of what they would touch upon later on in their discography as the lyrics are blatantly anti-consumerist. In fact, the entire record is just this big middle finger to consumerism. The band takes a stand against businesses and their perception of human value. One of the lines that really stand out to me is, you are not what you own. Blueprint kind of takes this idea a step further as well as pushing the expectation of what punk should sound like by exploring dynamic song structures. You know, it sounds a bit alternative rock as it starts with a slow and quiet build of chords before exploding with drums, noisy guitars, and Picciotto's sneering singing. Another track that is very anti-commodification. And it delves a bit deeper into the message, and it sounds personal as the band seemed to have difficulty navigating the commercialism of art and music. You know, I said that they really hated branding themselves, but one of the most notorious band shirts is the This Is Not A Fugazi T-shirt t-shirt. Um, and it's funny because McKay and the rest of the band were just so adamant about just coming down on these bootleg Fugazi merch, but this one was clever enough that McKay was just like, okay, we'll allow it. <laughs> he liked it that much. But the song does bring up a good point. You can't avoid the sales, the branding. It's how bands make money, and money is how people live. So I understand that Fugazi sort of felt trapped, but they wanted to keep the spirit of punk DIY and their fuck you attitude to everything, and they did a fantastic job as 
you know, they they didn't sell out. They they actually denied several, if not more, uh, record deals. The album ends with Shut the Door, which is one of their most compelling tracks. McKay has come out before saying that he is anti-drug, anti-alcohol. In fact, his minor threat song, Straight Edge, where he talks about not doing, you know, drugs or alcohol, uh, kickstarted a punk subculture of being straight edge. But McKay takes this track to understand what it is like to be addicted to drugs after fellow DC musician Catherine Braley had died due to a heroin overdose. There's a very cathartic moment in this track where Ian says, she's not breathing, she's not moving, she's not coming back. I think what's really interesting about this track is that there is this chorus that is made up of thunderous guitar riffs and Ian's shouting Yet the verses kind of tone it back with softer instrumentation and, and Ian's melodic singing. And I think this is interesting because there's another track that sort of follows this routine. In fact, I think it was the track that set the standard for tracks like this, and that's Velvet Underground's Heroin. And I love Velvet Underground. I will talk about them and their, you know, massive influence, however long whenever I can, but I, I really am seeing the parallels here. It's a very chilling way to conclude an album. Every time I listen to Repeater, I'm reminded of its genius, and I'm reminded why a lot of people view this as their favorite Fugazi release and say that this is their masterpiece. But there is more to come, sweet summer child. Steady Died of Nothing, 1991. So a year later, they released their follow-up LP, and producer Ted Nicely, who worked with them on Repeater, could not produce this album as he was preoccupied with other projects. So the band decided to produce it themselves. And while this was a great stepping stone of them trying to figure out how to produce on their own, I can't say Steady Diet of Nothing really brings anything new to the table. There is still that focus on social issues within their lyrics. There are still catchy choruses with songs like Nice New Outfit and Stacks, which really highlight the melodic singing aspect of the band. There's a lot of propelling rhythm sections, reggae bass lines, soaring guitars, but it just ends up feeling more of the same. And in retrospect, once you realized how much the band was experimenting later in their career, it, this one is kind of difficult to go back to and say like, oh, yes, this was a this is a highlight in their discography. You know, this really pushed the boundaries of their music and punk music. That being said, there is a lot to love about this record. For example, Dear Justice Letter is more of that political messages in their lyrics as at the time Supreme Court Justice William Brennan who fought for American civil rights was retiring and Fugazi essentially sent Brennan a letter with this track, you know, talking about how his retirement would mean his replacement by conservatives that were in office at the time. Reclamation is a pro-choice anthem. It builds to this intense climax where McKay is yelling, carry my body, all the while pounding drums, fierce guitar, reggae bass line, and harmonics, which oof, it sounds so delicious in this track play alongside McKay's fury. Steady Diet is a formidable instrumental as Canty's propelling drums are very furious here. The wild guitar solos are sort of like screaming at each other 
and then the climax is prolonged as Canty attacks his drum kit and McKay and, and Picciotta's distorted plane keeps going. Long Division is one of my favorite calmer Fugazi songs. It's very funk heavy as Lolly's bass drives the, the funk in this track and the guitars play this mellow, melancholic melody. Say that five times fast. And this is a track that really sees another change in their lyrical writing as it's a reflection on a broken relationship. You know, and then the narrator says that they should have thought it was foolish for their relationship to work out, especially after going through something tumultuous as you know, their first relationship. While Steady of Died of Nothing has a lot of phenomenal tracks, and it is the start of the band experimenting with production there really isn't a lot more to offer in this record. Still not one of their worst albums, though. We'll talk. We'll talk about. We'll talk about a bad album later. But actually, it's not that bad. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. City Died of Nothing is definitely a sophomore slump album, but there is a lot to enjoy in this record. In on the Kill Taker, 1993. So this one took two years to produce. Because Steve Albini, legendary producer and singer, sort of mastermind of Big Black, produced this album with the band in Chicago in 1992. However, they were unsatisfied with the results. So they scrapped it. They brought back nicely and Don Zinatara to record new sessions. With the rise of alternative rock, In on the Killtaker became the band's breakthrough album, even entering billboards album charts and you think that would piss them off and yes it, it did piss them off and it seems like they predicted it because this album at this point in their career was the album that sort of pushed back against mainstream punk and alt rock you got a track like 23 beats off which is six minutes long and half of it is just a wall of noise and distortion Try putting that on airwaves. But they were slowly, you know, as much as they denied it at the time, they were slowly experimenting and searching for a new sound. The opening track, Facet Squared, begins with bursts of feedback before introducing the noisy fuzz of the guitar. And I gotta say, Fugazi's best opening line is on this record. Irony is the refuge of the educated, always complaining, but they never quit. Cool's eternal, but it's always dated. They somehow were predicting the future, and again, we're pushing back on just that those hipster trends, man. <laughs> then you got another track like Sweet and Low, which is their most relaxed track to date as the guitar and bass are playing these soft rhythms. It does get a burst of energy in the middle of the track, but you know it is still this surprising moment of calm. It's almost jazz-like. And then, of course, there are moments that are very conventional, like Public Witness Program, catchy, easy to recite lyrics, energetic punk energy around it, especially with those arduous guitar chords. Great Cop is probably the most hardcore punk track that they've ever recorded. It's quick, it's short, it's powerful, and Ian sort of insults a friend, an acquaintance, um, by calling them a cop as they start questioning Ian. Um, and Ian says, oh, you'd make a great cop, which is a phenomenal diss in the punk scene. Great Cop is also a great example of the band holding on to tracks and, you know, workshopping them until they can finally make it work on an album. Great Cop was actually a minor threat song or not a minor threat song, but, you know, Ian worked on it 
while he was in minor threat and he just never thought to put it on an album or he didn't think it was ready or he didn't think that it belonged on an album until he figured it out on in on the kill taker their shiny moment on this album in my opinion however is instrument it's another track with a catchy hook it's very easy to sing along to we need an instrument but there's also like just a great balance of loud and quiet moments noisy guitars just melodic singing it's just a phenomenal arrangement and i know i see a lot of people kind of shitting on in on the kill taker or not really appreciating it as much as i do <laughs> um but i will say this is another huge stepping stone for the band as they they were trying out experiments and trying to find their new sound and while it was unsuccessful in the grand scheme of things, this is still a great record and another stepping stone in Fugazi's evolution. Red Medicine, 1995. Two years later, they released another self-produced album, Red Medicine, and boy, was this another defining moment in their career. This was the record that they kind of just went off the rails and became very very experimental and this is evident right off the gate on do you like me as cacophonous feedback violent strumming almost like they're like a no wave band and just beating their instruments with something metallic introduces the record after this very abrasive intro we get the lyrics your eyes like crashing jets fixed in stained glass but not religious then we get pummeling drums and fierce strumming as it propels the song into one of the most combative climaxes I've ever heard from them. It's really goosebump inducing. I remember replaying this song so many times when I first heard it. And it's kind of funny that this is their loved song, even though we have lyrics like that, even though it sounds like this. But man, are we just getting started? Oh, and also on a side note, I really love the story where they will choose between Do You Like Me or Like a Waiting Room, depending on how they're feeling that day during a live performance. If they were feeling really abrasive and really combative, they would start off their live shows with Do You Like Me, which would set the tone for the rest of the performance. Birthday Pony delves deeper into the artsy avant-garde as the first 40 seconds of the song is detuned piano playing like objects like slamming into each other and, and possibly McKay's manic laughter and hollering. Can't really tell whether it's McKay or Picciotto. But we get this hypnotic bass line from Lally that really helps me connect with McKay's manic lyrics on this track. This is a strange kind of rest because I feel like a guest. When I'm right here at home, I'm not right here at home. I love how the song ends with harsh feedback as McKay mumbles, this is a birthday pony the production and the songwriting really highlight the gritty nature of this album and i feel like this is one of their most post-hardcore records that they've released as the compositions are slower than ever they move in this trance-like way there's there's more use of feedback and pick scrapes instruments are detuned and if you think i'm wrong take a look at these next three tracks First, Fell Destroyed is a such a interesting track as the instrumental is subtle for a good portion of the track. Then we get Picciotto narrating the song more than singing. It, it really feels like they're taking inspirations from Slint. And he sounds tired as he lists the horrible side effects of the medication that he is taking or perhaps prescribing. 
Bayou is another track that begins quietly as sleepy chords play along until they rise. This is actually the first time Joe Lally tackles vocals, um, and I think he does it really well as his vocals are a bit buried as the track focuses more on the wall of distortion. But by far the most experimental, the most sophisticated track on this record is Version as it takes the lessons from Sweet and Low and amplify it to create this dissonant nightmare using blaring clarinets and just really highlighting the space of this song. This album was very impenetrable to me when I first heard it. I I didn't hear... I, I heard traces of the Fugazi that I knew and loved, but I also heard something different. But I loved it. I That's why I kept listening to it over and over again, is because I was just like, man, this is phenomenal. And this is why I consider it not only Fugazi's second masterpiece, but probably my favorite Fugazi album. It's just, uh, I love the experimentation. I love the dissonance. And I love the haunting atmosphere of the record. There was no better record to push back against the mainstream, especially after a, su- a successful record like In on the Kill Taker, than with Red Medicine. End Hits, 1998. So after the grueling worldwide tour of Red Medicine, Fugazi took an extended break and began writing material for a follow-up. In 1997, they returned to the studio to record End Hits. This was rumored to be their last release because of the name of the record, but this was far from their last record. They decided to take a more experimental approach than on Red Medicine, but they also thought that this would be a time to relax and to sort of experiment with their songwriting as well. They they had that time to experiment with different songs and techniques and instruments with this record, and because of that, we get a very indecisive Fugazi record. Yes, we get tracks like Five Corporations, which has that familiar dub bass line, fast and aggressive vocals, and fast and aggressive guitars and drums. We get a track like Place Position, which is very energetic, and it has loud guitars, and it's a commentary on xenophobia, and a track that really recalls classic Fugazi, or at least earlier Fugazi. But then we have tracks like the opening track, Break, which introduces a gentle piano motif, and and this is very different for the band. No Surprise is actually a very surprising track, ironically, as the vocals have this effect like they are singing underwater, and we get these pockets of silence taking away instrumental parts and really focusing on disjointed, dissonant guitars. We have a track like Recap Modati. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but this is another song that tackles immigration. And it it really, aside from the subject matter, it really could have fit on Red Medicine as there are hushed vocals, subdued instrumentation, and just this very hazy ending that is very reminiscent of post-rock. The feedback really plays off of each other. It sort of just fades out. Floating Boy has a similar structure as it's very atmospheric as these subtle and hypnotic bass rhythms picciotto's relaxed vocals the screeching guitars and the layering vocal parts really add to that eerie eeriness of the track there is some structure on this track as the guitar motif signals a break in the song's composition but for the most part it's it's a very haunting and very unsettling track as i'm not sure of where it's going and Again, another track that could have fit on a post-rock album. Pink Frosty is another track that's 
very eerie and isolated as hushed vocals are make it very sinister and the ambience and the quiet instrument playing would make slint proud one of my favorite tracks though has to be closed captioning as they really experiment with electronic effects on this track there's also a lot of rhythmic layering a lot of drum bass the skittering electronic beat shrill high-end guitars and then they incorporate the the funk inspired rhythm and even McKay's vocal delivery seems somewhat reggae-inspired. And then we get this very complex ending as there's the skittering electronic beat from earlier, the spastic drumming, and then the atonal guitars. And then finally the guitar fades out as the beat and then the drumming fight to remain the dominant rhythm, and I absolutely love it. But for the most part, they really just threw everything at the wall for this record. And Hits is a very confusing record because you just don't know where it's going most of the time. I mean, there are similar themes. There are similar experimental moments. There are still the same Fugazi in a way. But for the most part, it's a very confused record. Fugazi ended up releasing Instrument, which was the soundtrack to a documentary and for the most part, there are a lot of demos on that soundtrack, but I would really suggest listening to I'm So Tired. That is a beautiful and melancholic track with a wonderful piano melody. But now we get to their last record, The Argument 2001. This one was more guitar-focused. It was, it was very surprising, especially coming off of a record like End Hits, but I felt that they kind of made the move towards indie rock and alternative rock as the main focus of this record is just the riffs and the shreds you know as well as the heavy focus on politics and what ian described as the band's anti-war manifesto but in terms of music very guitar focused not a lot of chances for lally to shine or the drumming I mean, just take a look at that first track, Cash Out, as it's very moderately paced. The lyrics about gentrification and real estate greed highlight, you know, Fugazi's fight against um, just greedy corporations and just, you know, people being just shitty. And while it stays relatively moderate, it does climax with McKay's screaming and the guitars roaring. We do have other moments of just that, that loud, typical punk moments like the screeching guitars of full disclosure the revving distortion on x spectator and the acoustic and electric jam on night shop but the shiny moments come from their focus on the lyrics and and more experimentation although the experimentation isn't as um in your face as end hits or red medicine just take a look at the kill lally is once again on vocals however it's a bit different here as he sounds detached and it really works for the lyrics of just assimilating into American hegemony, wherein white people are expected to target other races and other sexual orientations. The line that really stands out to me is, secure for future generations, as we've kind of been hearing that a lot from the alt-right crowd. But the song it really does focus on the lyrics. The instrumentation is subdued. It even gets atmospheric, but it is background to Lally's words. The song ends with the implication that the system messed up the protagonist so much to where he kills himself. Life and Limb is a very interesting experimentation as the percussion is mixed higher than the guitar and it's kind of equal with the vocals. It, it is a very entrancing track as Picciotto and 
guest vocalist Bridget Cross sing in a relaxed, hypnotic way, and the repetitive guitar is just trance-inducing. Epic Problem is another great example of the band keeping a riff around for years until they finally are ready to use it. The riff was around for years, as Canty describes in the 33 one thirds book, but they finally made it work and kept the working title as the final title. The real kicker is the final title track argument as it takes on a dreamy quality as the guitars are shimmering and it builds to that loud and distorted climax and, you know, McKay screaming his head off for one last time on a studio LP. But this is the track where I feel like Ian's anti-war manifesto comment really comes into play here as... He criticizes America and how they love to fight what they don't know. And this is evident from Trump and his border wall. But McKay is really upset at unnecessary wars. As evident from this line, how did a difference become a disease? The argument, oof, I I did not like this record at first. I, I was just so upset that Fugazi didn't sound like how they sounded on Repeater or Red Medicine or In on the Kill Taker. It was very different. In a way, you can kind of hear how McKay went from this to the evens. But at the end of the day, it lyrically, it's strong. The songwriting is still very strong. And if this was truly the end, which it most likely was, you know, they haven't been around since 2003, then it was a phenomenal ending. Along with the argument, the band released a three-song EP titled Furniture, so go check that out as well. Number five is an erratic and energetic instrumental track that I highly recommend. But yeah, since then, they just haven't been around. One of the band members, I'm pretty sure it was Picciotto, said that the band would sound very different. It could have been Cansey or Lally too, I, I don't remember. But the band would sound very different if they were to get back together and the only way they would get back together is if they had something meaningful to say. And so far, they they really haven't had the urge to make music as Fugazi again. And you know what? That's okay. They had a phenomenal run. Maybe I'm a little selfish and I'd like to see them live. But other than that, a phenomenal run. Barely any stinkers on this list. Maybe just one. But yes. One of my favorite post-hardcore groups. And now we've come to the end of the guide. And this is where I give my listening order. So I would highly advise you to start with 13 songs and repeater. These are the first two records in their discography. This is my introduction to the band. And I think it's a good place to start as any. But if you want more hardcore inspiration in their music, I would suggest listening to In on the Killtaker afterwards because there is still some experimentation, but there are still a lot of hardcore moments within that record. And then after that, you can listen to Seti Died of Nothing because that is another the closest thing to another hardcore record without getting weird and, and wacky and, and just off the wall. But if you do want that off the wall stuff, then after listening to 13 songs and repeater, you can just jump straight into Red Medicine and End Hits. And even the argument, just listen to the argument and furniture after that too. It, you know, they they had a short discography, so you can really just branch out between these two routes. You know, Steady Diet of Nothing and In on the Kill Taker are the more safe Fugazi records after 13 Songs and Repeater. And then anything from 1995 
to 2001 is just different and experimental and weird. But that's what I love about Fugazi, not just that they have that hardcore spirit, that DIY spirit, and that reggae influence or just the safe sort of songs. I also love that they can experiment, that they did experiment, and it was freaking amazing. Seriously, guys, I, I, I love Red Medicine. That's such a phenomenal record. But yeah, th that's Fugazi. That is one of my favorite post-hardcore groups. What is your favorite Fugazi record? Please let me know on Twitter or Instagram at Sound Encounters, or you could send me a voice message via soundencounterspodcast.com. Please let me know, because I'd love to continue this Fugazi discussion. And that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Make sure to tune in next week for another exciting installment, which it'll be the one-year anniversary of Sound Encounters. So I have something special planned. In the meantime, you can follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages with the handle at Sound Encounters. I post updates and share music memes on those accounts, and I interact with the lovely people who give my posts a like and a comment. You can also send me a voice message through Anchor to recommend a topic I should talk about, or you could give me some feedback. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters or soundencounters.com or follow the link in the podcast description to send your message. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and that too could be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, that about wraps it up. Rock on music explorers. I'll see you next week. Ciao.